Well, Ontario today uh, says it's significantly expanding the number and range of medical procedures performed in privately run clinics as the province deals with a surgical backlog made worse by the COVID-19 pandemic. The change will be introduced over three phases. The first will see surgical and diagnostic clinics perform an additional 14,000 cataract operations each year, which represents about 25% of the province's current wait list for the procedure. Uh, The second phase will mean more private clinics will be able to offer MRI and CT imaging, as well as colonoscopies. And the government intends that by 2024, the third phase will see hip and knee replacements performed for at-profit clinics. Now, Premier Ford stressed patients will never use their credit cards at the clinics, although he didn't directly answer questions about whether or not clinics would be allowed to upsell patients on associated elements of care. Take a listen to his comments. The way I can describe it, you know, you have a dam, you have a log jam. Are you going to just keep pouring the water uh, up against the logs, or are you going to reroute some of the water and take the pressure off, off the dam? Uh, you see what happens when the dam has too much water, it breaks. Now, while the changes are needed, uh, according to uh, uh, Premier Ford, because the province's long surgery wait list, uh, the Premier says they will be kept in place permanently even after the backlog, uh, backlog is cleared. Now, the Canadian Union of Public Employees, the Ontario Nurses Association, the Ontario Public Service Employees Union, a variety of other public sector unions and private sector, including Unifor, say that the move will further starve public health care and instead that the province should be investing in the public health care system and implementing a staffing retention program. Well, what's this mean for other provinces, especially British Columbia and our healthcare system? Well, our next guest has challenged laws preventing patients from accessing private care when wait times are too long. Dr. Brian Day is a founder and current medical director of, uh, at the Canby Surgery Centre. Uh, Dr. Day, thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Your thoughts on the announcement from Premier Doug Ford today uh, as Ontario expands um, uh, private delivery of uh, public health care services. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I think it's a good thing. I think it, um, you know, it's one step, <laughs> well, a small step in the right direction. He actually will save a lot of patients' grief uh, through this action. Uh, he'll even save lives. Uh, strangely enough, people don't realize that. But this is um, this is something that, governments across the country um, should be doing, and many are, and it's a, it's a lesson that the world has already figured out many years ago, that, um, that these freestanding surgical centers are safer, have fewer complications, more efficient, and um, they're private, you know, the, the big benefit for the public system is that these centers are built at no cost to the taxpayer. And the construction phases of these um, uh, centers creates jobs and economic activity. And if they're, if they're successful, they generate tax revenues for all levels of government, municipal, uh, provincial, and federal. And if they fail, the government doesn't suffer any losses. So, so those, um, those uh, advantages are, are, are significant for the public system. Uh, are we doing any of that here in British Columbia? I know you uh, you've been very much involved and uh, quite vocal in regards to um, private cl- clinics and their help to the public system. Have we been doing some of what Ontario is now announcing that they're going to do? Yeah, well, we've been doing that for many years, and we were the 
uh, Cambridge Surgery Centre was the first clinic to, to, to do that uh, back, back in the 90s. Even. And, uh, but, um, but because of the legal shenanigans that have been going on, uh, Canby is excluded from that. But the other, other private clinics are doing that and have been for some years. And the, the reason is, as I said, uh, they provide safer, safer care. You know, the um, complications, the, the BC College of Physicians and Surgeons um, keeps data on infections. And when you compare complications in a private center to those in the public sector, they are 40 times less common. So you're 40 times less common to have a complication uh, going outside of a big public hospital than you are in these specialized centers. Hmm. Uh, Do you think this will lead to a bigger, broader uh, conversation in and around uh, driving um, uh, innovation in our public system? Or do you think there's going to be pushback eventually from the federal government in regards to saying to Ontario, you can't head in this direction? Oh, I don't think the federal government will, will. I think the federal government probably endorses this, even even though they may not be supportive of the. I mean, we have to bear in mind that mo, almost every family physician's office in in Canada is a private clinic. I mean, it's not owned by the government. They're not owned by the government. They're operated privately, and they run as private centers. So. This is this. There's nothing uh, extraordinary about this, and as I said, the world uh, community in healthcare uh, learned about this many over many years ago. We are behind behind the world, and and, and the other thing I should point out mm-hmm. is is you know the, the those against against this um, this plan say, oh well, there's already a shortage of doctors and nurses. Well, actually, there is no shortage of specialists in surgeons there are actually 200 unemployed young orthopedic surgeons in in Canada right now who can't get hospital privileges because of rationed access in the public uh, system and if you look at the OECD data Canada has an above average number of nurses it's just that they're leaving the toxic environment that has been created in in the health system and Actually, what this will do is draw them back into the workforce. Uh, in Ontario, for example, a single Detroit district employs over a thousand Ontario-based nurses who have left the public system because of the frustrating, frustrating state state of it. And of Canby Surgeries, uh, 78 visiting surgeons, 23 have reported they would not be in Canada if it were not for the extra added OR time that we have provided um, when they've already used up the maximum that the government system will, will grant them. Now, Dr. Day, uh, I recall a few years ago, I was at a Helijet and I ran into a former healthcare minister whose name I won't mention, but we had a conversation uh, just talking about the present public system and how we fix it. And the minister at that time said, it's going to have to get worse before it gets better, essentially to me, what that meant was the public have to get much more vocal and saying that they want to see changes. Of course, want to protect the public system, but it, you have to drive innovation with it. If you look at what Premier Doug Ford has done today with this announcement, he is saying you will put down a BC version of a care card 
and it will all of this will be billed to the public system. Now, you can say it's private care, but at the end of the day, it's paid for from public taxes, so it's viewed as uh, public health care. Uh, some people may disagree with that. Why do you think there is such hesitancy in this province to continue down that road? Why do you think at its core, what do you think at its core is keeping the present system in place when we are when we should be challenging the present system and trying to drive innovation? Well, there are three things. One is um, there's a strong political lobby group of of um, of the public sector unions who, um, in theory, are against private clinics, but but actually send us patients. Um, then the, then there is the uh, system of funding um, hospitals in Canada is is archaic and not you not we are the only OECD country that that ties uh, that gives a, a hospital a, a lump sum amount every year and therefore the whole hierarchy of the hospital uh, the chief financial officer and so on they get their money up front every year and, and then every patient that goes to the emergency or to the or to an off for an operation is using up and consuming the revenue. Therefore, the last thing a successful CFO wants in a hospital is patients. Um, now, every other country, like so, so New Zealand or Germany, and when a patient goes to a public hospital, the public system pays the hospital a fee so that patients become desirable to the clinic. And if you don't treat patients well, or you, if you're if you're keeping people waiting a long time in the emergency department, the patients and the revenue go somewhere else, even though it's public revenue. Now, having said that, I think it's important that the public realize that there is only one country on the planet where private health insurance uh, is illegal, and that's Canada. Private health insurance for, for what governments define as medically necessary services and, um, and every other country in the world, including, including authoritarian communist countries, allow this competition. There is no, we have a monopoly, and there is not a single monopoly that uh, serves the, uh, the end user or the client well. And we know that from, from every example you look at, whether it's a government monopoly or a private monopoly, they are not good for the consumer of the product or the service. And, uh, you know, we, our local uh, example in BC is that we have ICBC as the sole monopoly provider of health, of car insurance, and we are the most expensive province in the country to buy car insurance. It, it's, it's just a, a simple elementary economics. Where do we go from here in your mind? Do you think even with um, Premier Ford's announcement today, we'll be muddling along? with this system where we know it has to go through some deep structural changes, but whether as with based on your examples, we're hesitant to do so, or do you think we're on the path towards those fundamental changes that need to happen? Well, you know, once one of the problems is the, as you probably know, um, it was the NDP, we, we talk about this doctor shortage, and don't get me wrong, there is a shortage of family doctors. I said there wasn't a shortage of surgeons, but there is a family doctors. That shortage was created by the NDP government of the 90s that um, had a royal commission, the Seton Commission, 
and they accepted its findings and they persuaded the, the whole country actually to cut back medical school intake by up to 30% across the country. Then they complain that now there's a shortage of doctors. It's a shortage that, that was created by, by the system. And the, the theory at that time was that too many doctors and too many nurses were treating too many patients and, and that was costing the system too much money. And uh, so they closed nursing schools. You know, the hospitals used to all have big nursing schools. They closed um, medical schools. And currently 3,500 young Canadians are in foreign medical schools and they face barriers in coming back because the provincial colleges make it so difficult uh, even though they may be well qualified uh, students in uh, graduating from Australia or, or, or Ireland or other countries they have a barrier to coming back because the 13 provincial colleges that out operate as, as separate bureaucracies um, uh, block them. They, there should just be one college that, uh, that, that looks after credentialing doctors in Canada and a single license across the country. But private health insurance um, will benefit the public system. That's been shown up. The Canadian Institute for Health Information through the Commonwealth Fund recently ranked um, Canada alongside nine other countries that have universal health care. We were the most expensive. We were the last in equity, the last in access, and um, and then the Stats Canada. These are all government data. Stats Canada has come out with the um, statement that the worst access and the worst health health outcomes in Canada are in is in the lower socioeconomic groups. It's doing the opposite of what it was supposed to do. Dr. Day, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know this is an ongoing conversation, and um, we look forward to speaking to you in the future as well. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Jack.